NWCI podcast. Uh, my name is Addison Combs. I'm your host today, and we're sitting down with Aaron Combs and Steve Anderson, uh, the other members of the education technology team at NWCI. How's it going, boys? Yay! Doing great. <laughs> Doing great. Awesome. So this morning, uh, I want to talk to you guys about uh, your own apprenticeship experiences when when you were an apprentice back in the day. Um, so let's just start off. Um, where and when were you apprentices, and what uh, what training centers? I try to block that out. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I started. Uh, I started in 1998. I started in Anchorage, Alaska. I applied there and and got in. <laughs> I was lucky enough to get in the first first try. Uh, they have uh, open their their opening for the apprentices is once a year. So if you don't get in, you got to wait till the next year before you can even think about getting in. Uh, like I said, I was I was lucky enough to get in that that first time. Um, but yeah, I started in 98 in Anchorage, Alaska. Nice. How about you, Steve? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, 98. Uh, well, I, I started back when the earth was still cooling. So, <laughs> uh, no, really. Uh, uh, 1983, uh, I went to trade school. And then from trade school, I went in the apprenticeship. So, I was in the apprenticeship 85. Um, is when I started. And Where? I was, and I was out in 89 uh, in Tacoma on a local 470. So, that's where I started. Awesome. What was your uh, application process there? Were you able to get in first try? Uh, so um, on mine, um, it was just signing up for the list. All you had to do was sign up. Um, when your name came up, they just asked you, you want to go do this? And you said, yeah or no, one of the two. There was really no uh, vetting or any type of you know, process of figuring out you know, right. whether or not somebody was, was uh, qualified. You just... Uh, did your thing and and they just you know they'd ask you where where you've been and what you've done um it's pretty much thelma um and uh, she she just just asked but uh i'll tell you what on the um trade school that i went to vocational school prior to getting an apprenticeship uh in their carpentry program and about a year and a half before i got in the uh, the apprenticeship uh, the instructor said, hey, go down and put your name on the apprenticeship list now. And then when you get out, you'll probably be pretty close to the top. And sure enough, I got out of that uh, trade school um, program and pretty much walked right in the apprenticeship. I was right at the top of the list. Perfect. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice advice, right? It's good guy. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So you just went went down the list of you applied at this point and then you, you get in as you applied, basically? Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Nice. Mm-hmm. So up in up in Alaska in '98, Aaron, did you have um, like a skills test or a trade orientation, anything like we have today in Washington? You know, it, it it was not not exactly the same. They had kind of an orientation where we showed up, and and everybody that applied, they they sent out a letter, said, hey, you know, we're having this orientation, so everybody would show up, and it was actually down in the shop because there was 300 of us, or like three 330 people showed up that day. And we went through a whole orientation, they did a presentation, and then they were talking about, you know, what it's like to be a carpenter, what to expect as a carpenter. And then at the end of that, they had a math test, and it was all by hand. It was decimals, fractions, converting, adding, subtracting, all that fun stuff. Um, And then as you finished your math test, you have to go and sign up for an interview. And I was really lucky that I was still pretty decent at math so i blazed through the math test right. I, I think i missed like one so i got a 98 or 99 percent on the math test and then i was the first one to sign up for an interview and you know how it is when because i've done interviews since then 
uh, when you start interviews, it's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm kind of jazzed about this. By the time you get done, especially when there's 300 people there, yeah. you can imagine by, by the time you get to the end of those interviews, you're like, I don't even care. I just don't care. <laughs> but I was, I was number one on the, on the interview list, so that was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty nice for me. So I got to go yeah. in and interview. And I had been doing uh, carpentry residentially before that. And so it, it was a real easy fit. I, I just walked in yeah. and, and basically I was talking to c- contractors and, and uh, union reps about just different jobs and different work that I had done. And they're, they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, you seem like a good fit, uh, mm-hmm. but we'll let you know. And mm-hmm. sure enough, a little bit after that, uh, there was no actual skills test. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't like, hey, move this lumber here and drive these nails or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was, it was just based solely on mm-hmm. your math score, kind of ranked you in what order you're going to get interviewed. And then mm-hmm. the interview really is what determined whether or not you got in. Mm-hmm. So out of those 300 that you mentioned, how many, how many do you think were in, got in with you? Uh, we, we started with 60. And 60. then that was first year, and then we ended fourth year with twelve. Wow, yeah, that's a pretty mm-hmm. drastic reduction there. <laughs> yeah, and then how about you, Steve? What was your what was your class size when you started? Uh, you know what we did when I went was uh, two days a month, so you didn't really have a class size. We did what was called the PETS program, which is Performance Evaluated Training System. And it was essentially on you. Um, you got in the apprenticeship and you had each one of these projects that you had to do at the training center. And two days a month, you were in school. You weren't on the job. Mm-hmm. So those two days, you would go there and you would do a project. And then you would get that project checked off on your, on your paper. And as time went by, you would go through all these projects. So... Of, of the people that started at the same time I did, um, I would say, uh, I mean, you just don't, you, you kind of don't keep track because there's yeah. no one group like, but, you know, you remember faces and all that. And familiar. I, I'd say, uh, gosh, there was probably about half, half of them that, you know, went the four years, something like that. Nice. And so that's that's a completely different um, structure you've got there. So yeah. basically, was it you um, have a list of projects and you can choose them, or was there still like progression of here's your first year projects and continuing on through your fourth or fifth year? No, you could choose. Um, they they would kind of encourage you to choose something you were doing on the job. Okay. So if I was working, I was doing framing, or I was doing concrete, or something. The instructor there would say, okay, well, why don't you do this project here because this relates to what you're doing on the job. So then in the training center, would you end up having like 20 different projects going on yep. at, at the same time? That's yep. pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. I would love to just walk around that that shop and yep. just see different things yeah. going on. You could, I don't, yeah. as an instructor, I imagine that might be uh, yeah. a bit hectic. Yeah. And you, uh, and you might not want to. A little bit. A yeah, little bit. Yeah. I mean, but it wasn't, it was, it was, it wasn't really because. Um, you, it was self motive. I mean, you had to be self motivated. It was, it was self paced. I mean, there were guys that were in for six years, seven years, even apprentices, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just like, what are you doing? You know, it's like, <laughs> Goof it off. Could, this took me three and a half. Actually, I did mine in about three and a half years yeah. because you could accelerate at that time. If you got that work hours, the work hours was the big thing. If you work consistently, that was the, the, the real standard, the requirement, of course, from the state, but, uh, um, getting through those blocks. I mean, if you could knock two out in, in one month or something, uh, you know, you'd do the best you could with that. But 
Um, but yeah, there, there would be projects going. And, and I, I got to tell you, the facilities uh, that, that we have today <laughs> would be, uh, there was just no comparison. We, we had a metal, what's called a metal butler building. It's essentially a, a steel building, uh, red iron, and had a steel skin on it um, for, to keep the rain out. Um, half of it was a slab and half of it was dirt um, on, in, inside. And there were just some lumber racks. There was a pile of stuff in the corner. There was hardware stacked over there or scaffolding or whatever. And it was like, you just had to go get it and do your project. Um, and that was, you know, that was pretty much it. There was a little bit of paperwork with it. But for the most part, you went there and um, you found a spot and you did your project and that was yeah. it. Let's <laughs> go, go cordon off. This is my area. Stay out of my area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that seems kind of kind of crazy. You would end up, um, you start your project, and then you're like, "Oh, I need more space. <laughs> can you scoot your <laughs> Can you scoot your concrete floor over?" <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I guess a uh, different question for each of you, since you got kind of different um different programs. But uh, for Aaron, what was your what was your favorite class, and I guess the project that went with that class. And then when we get to Steve, we'll just we'll just go with the favorite project. But Aaron first. Okay. okay uh, my favorite class was. Well, I don't know. It's kind of a toss up. The, the structure is ra radically different in Alaska. You know, obviously we, we would have class once a year and that class once a year uh, started out first year was eight weeks and then second year was seven weeks, third year was seven weeks and fourth year was six weeks. So mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of an investment. Obviously the, the average would be seven weeks. Um, but first year, you know, we covered concrete, we covered metal studs and, and drywall leveling, layout instruments, all the safety information, all those courses. And it was all good. I think my favorite for that year was probably the, the concrete project. We did concrete wall columns, uh, piers, footings, uh, got them all to grade, set up grid lines, all that fun stuff, you know, with, with concrete, that was fun. Uh, I had worked with wood as a wood framer before that. So it was fairly easy for me to jump into that and really knock that one out. The metal studs was interesting. Um, they used to do a final at the end of the year and we were working on the metal stud project at the end of first year, I finished the final about a day and a half. Well, now about a day ahead of everybody else. And so I got to go out and work on the project by myself, um, which <laughs> nice. at, at that time we were doing metal studs and we were doing the soffits. And so I was out there just working on soffits by myself for about a day. <laughs> And, and the rest of my crew, you know, the other three people in my group came out and they're like, wow, you're done. Well, now what, what are we supposed to do? And I was like, well, you can help me take it apart. You know, <laughs> you'll still learn a lot that way. So that, that was yeah. a lot of fun. Second year was all about stairs. We did, you know, landings and stairs and, and, uh, the first project was interior stairs. And so we did raised panels, you know, balusters, raised panels, um, interior, exterior joints and stuff with, uh, all by hand, which was a lot of fun. Uh, you really get good with a handsaw and a miter box when you're doing that. Um, there's a lot of coping on all the inside joints, so that was a ton of fun. And then the second project that year was uh, exterior concrete stairs, and so you do suspended slabs, uh, columns, beams, and then stairs attached to it, all monolithically poured, which presents its own challenges, you know, and especially when it has a, a curb included in that. And that was a, a ton of fun, too. That one, I actually got to do that one by myself. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> third year, we did uh, the third year project is a full month-long uh, you build a uh, cottage, so it's like a 12 by 24 cabin that you build with exterior finishes, and and then they would sell those and get the money and use mm -hmm. that the the projects the next year, and so it was just basically at, at cost, and then those would go out and and uh, that was a a ton of fun. I learned a lot on that. Uh, I also yeah. 
had previous experience with house framing, so that made that one a lot more fun than some of the other guys. You know, there's there was one group where they had cut all of their joists. You know, they subtracted three inches, and then for some reason they subtracted another three inches for their joists, and so they were all. <laughs> Way short. <laughs> That's a lot of two by ten, you know. So uh, interesting. But then fourth year was a ton of fun too. Not only did did we get to do a project, but the project that we did was an oak uh, nightstand, and and once you're done with it, you get to take it home, and mm-hmm. that was awesome. There was a fee that went along with that to help offset the the cost of the wood, but we would buy the 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 oak and then build the cabinet, and then you know you get to take that home. I still have it. You know, and, and that's yeah. one of those where I look at that and, and uh, like the cove molding that, that goes on, you you manufacture all the cove molding and you create, a, yeah. there's a top wrap that goes around it and you, you have to create that with a router table and, and you just get to use yeah. uh, dado saws and, and table saws and you get to use all the, the finish equipment that, you know, to build a cabinet. And I've yeah. used that knowledge to build like most of the furniture in my house right now. So it really, uh, you know, <laughs> On the job, I've got to do some finish, not a ton, but some, but I've, I've definitely used that skill throughout my career. So, yeah. favorite class? Yeah, that's a tough one because they're yeah, all hard, good. Sounds and hard the, to the say. Project, yeah, definitely hard to say. So, all of them, I would say all of them are good. Yeah, for that month long class, were you in, in class for a month or was it like you, you build it and then leave it and go back to work and then you come back and finish it later? Oh, no, all, all these classes are straight. So, like when I say eight weeks of class for first year, it's eight weeks straight. <laughs> Uh, second year, seven weeks straight. And then third year was when we did the cabinet was seven weeks straight. And that was uh, the first week was kind of review. And we did a lot of the concept work. And then the the second week was definitely learning about floors, walls, roofs, framings, all that stuff in the in the classroom. And then we went out and did the project and worked on that project for one month straight, you know, and, and it was four weeks in a row, uh, Monday through Friday. It's so 7.30 to 4.30, I think, is the schedule. And just did nothing but go and work on that cabin and, yeah. and get it done. Yeah, I know sometimes in, in our classes, we end up um, just time gets away from from the class. There's maybe a lot of people in the class and, and you end up having to spend more time in the classroom. Or certain people are slower on the on their projects. Um, when you have something like that where you're building a cabin and the goal is at the end of it, you're trying to sell this to recoup costs. Um, was there people who didn't finish and you just end up with a half-built cabin? Nope, you stayed until you finished, and that's the wow. thing. Is if you didn't, if you didn't get it done in a month, you stayed until it was done. And not only that, but there is pretty tight quality control because we knew that these were going out to the public. Uh-huh. And so, if you did something even remotely slightly wrong, it was rip it out and redo it. And it, there's a lot of benefit to that. It's like you realize I have to have standards. These standards are are set for me, and I have to follow, you know, the, that baseline and and successfully complete that project before I can even leave you know and, and that's the thing is like class ended your cabin's not done you still go there until it's done but the the other thing too about the, the program up there is if you didn't complete the project in time you didn't pass the class and so you had to wait a full year with no raises uh, and no hours accrued until you mm. come back and take that class again another seven weeks and pass mm. it wow yeah that's that's pretty hardcore. And well, that's, I, could I, tell guess... you, I could tell you some more horror stories about, about you know, like uh, they, they would let you be late twice and absent once, and that's it for the entire eight weeks. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. If, you, if you were late more than two times, the third time you were late, they would count that as your absence, and then, you know, you, you're pretty much, if you're late another time, it doesn't matter. It could be the eighth week. Something happened. Yeah, I just lost Aaron. Uh-oh. Hurt. Oh, 
Oh, there, there it is. You're back. You're back. You're back. back. <laughs> okay, where did I where did I get cut off? I have at? no idea. <laughs> I guess the the biggest thing was is attendance. Attendance and the thing the one of the reasons that they really stress the attendance is because it would happen on the job, right? You have a, an apprentice shows up late two or three times, and they get canned on the job, and then you have that reputation. And so what they're trying to do with that apprenticeship is they're trying to instill that you have to be on time, you have to be there, you have to ready be ready and work hard every single day. And so they had that really strict attendance policy. Uh, and, and not only that, but you know, like I know occasionally we get the, the contractor that's like, why I can't let my apprentice go to class in Washington for a whole week. I need him on the job. Imagine losing all of your first year apprentices for seven weeks you yeah. know, from a job. Every single second year apprentice is gone. You know, what do you do then? Well, the contractors up there, they know it's coming and they know it's going to happen and they just plan for it. You know, and then yeah. it's one of the things that's really surprising when I hear somebody like, I can't lose this apprentice for a week. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. It's a week, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, and then uh, yeah. really the contractor, I think at that point, you need to think about this is an apprentice. You need to send them to class so they can learn those skills and bring it back to the job site and yeah, be right. able to do that much more. Yep. It'd yeah. be that much more productive, right? And then you're getting right. more money, yeah. better return on your investment. Exactly. All right. Uh, so we got we got Aaron's uh six favorite six favorite yeah. classes so <laughs> now let's go back over right. uh, back over to steve um back yeah. in the back in the 80s what was your favorite yeah. project that you did uh, well, in that, uh, that pets program i got just just to step back for a second uh, I, a little bit like aaron i did framing before i got into actually trade school so the vocational school at bates before i even started there i was framing some warehouses and doing some stuff in the summertime and I had a little bit of experience under my belt with a skill saw and things like this. So that I think that helped uh, quite a bit. Um, and then I went through that program at Bates and we built houses. And I can tell you that um, through boys club thing and but but the houses, I could still go drive over to them today, which is pretty cool. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I guess I enjoyed doing the concrete and the and the, the post and beam stuff, uh, you know, car decking, things like that, um, you know, up to the framing probably the most, but then uh, in terms of projects, uh, when I was in the apprenticeship, I think um, I did one that was a cabinet. Uh, we were allowed to make a small uh, half size, um, like nightstand cabinet um, type of thing, vanity. And so I made one for my kids. Um, it, was a, it was a vanity um, and it had uh, drawers and you know small doors everything kind of half size so it was their size i made it kid size essentially and um they uh they still have it uh which is pretty cool um you know it, it it's where they put their toys or whatever yeah uh, but you know they used it you know to play with and and uh, but i really enjoyed that i enjoyed making that cabinet um they still have it my granddaughters use it now and um it's it it was it was good because um, you know it was a little bit more uh, precise work and you know it, it, when you're out on post and beam and stuff you're used to using chainsaws and things uh, of that nature and uh, um, doing that cabinet was uh, you know I'd say it was it ranked right up there it was probably it was one of my favorite uh, projects. That's so pretty awesome. The mill work and the, you know like Aaron said using the table saw and the routers and the you know, making everything, getting it right on the money. And, yeah. yeah. And then you end up, um, you bring home that, that small size cabinet for your kids and they have that, that, uh, 
that piece of furniture there growing up that you're always like, yep, I made that in my apprenticeship. Yeah. And then they grow up and they're like, hey, I could do that. Yeah, exactly. Apprenticeship? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so as the uh, education technology team here, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, the, the technology. I don't know if we need air quotes there back in the day that you guys uh, that you guys had. So what back in back in the 1998 or uh, 1985, what was the, the cutting edge technology that you guys were using in, in your uh, training program? A laser level. <laughs> laser level for for me that just had just come out and they were big they were like you know, <laughs> thanks like they, yeah. they came in a big suitcase thing yellow and everybody there were six people carrying it because they didn't want to drop it it's pretty, <laughs> pretty i, I could tell you my, my favorite thing was uh, and this you know all the way through until my fourth year they they let us use calculators but it had to be a scientific calculator and then for some reason, and I don't know why, but fourth year, my fourth year, so everybody else before that, you know, third year, second year, first year, all those guys, they got it right away. Um, but my fourth year, they finally let us use construction <laughs> in the classroom. And I can tell you that uh, that made things faster and easier. And I, I can't help but feel a little disappointed because when I got in, they let us use calculators. Before I got in, it was only about three or four years before that, they never let them use calculators at all. Everything was by hand. And I'm talking yeah. all the way through looking up trig, uh, looking up uh, angles in trig tables. Yeah. So it was like you do all the math by hand, and then you have to look up the angle yeah. in a trig table, and they have them <laughs> down to five seconds, which is this huge volume. And yeah, and I just I couldn't imagine doing that. But even just just having the knowledge of how to do all that math by hand really solidified it in my brain and, and gave me a good concept of of what I'm looking for. And I feel like some of that gets missed if you just do nothing but push buttons on a calculator. And then, you know, you say, well, what exactly did you do? What, what was your, your process for coming up with this answer? And they can't even describe it. They're like, well, I pushed this button and pushed that button. I'm like, well, what do those buttons do? They don't even know what it takes to get those answers. And so that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that, that, um, I find is, is a little disappointing, but really being able to use that construction master, I, I, it's funny because I still have the same calculator as construction master two, yeah. and I still have it. And I laid out, um, you know, fifty-six million dollar job and a, and a forty-eight million dollar job, and like all these jobs, I laid out with a, a fifty-dollar calculator to, yeah. to, to yeah. calculate all the angles and everything. This is pretty much before yeah. data collectors. They had data collectors, yeah. but they were really yeah. uncommon. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I still have my HP thirty-two S. Uh, scientific in a soft case is in a yep. soft case. It's in my desk drawer at the house. And that thing, I packed it around with me and my bags. Um, sorry about that. Uh, I packed it around with me and my bags and, and, uh, it still works. It still works fine. I mean, it took a beating. Um, I used it when I was rigging. Um, I always packed it with me rigging and, uh, you just had to, you know, you had to know how to do the math. You just, yep. It was a calculator yeah. to help, you know, obviously it, it would reduce the, the potential for errors, but yeah. you still had to know, you know, it, it's a HP uh, 32S is a programmable. So you had to hit enter when you wanted to do it. It'd be three, uh, seven times enter. Like that's how you did it. It wasn't three times seven equals. There was an enter key on it. So yeah. you had to, you had to understand the notation and all that. And then that, but man used it all the time. Still is. Yeah. I mean, it's still sitting there. The house works great. I definitely see there's there's the value of knowing how to do sine, cosine, tangent by hand, and really understanding where those the values that you're getting spit out from you at your from your calculator, uh, where those come from. Um, that's yeah. something I I studied math in uh, in university, and uh, and I was always really apt at math. And so 
it was it was something I was like, oh, I'm really good at this. But then it was until like calculus one where they finally explained, here's what sine and cosine mean. They have a physical uh, uh, meaning to them behind just not this magic box you put numbers into and get different numbers out of. Right. So I definitely see like that's something that I think I agree is missing. Um, but on the other hand, those people used to say, hey, you're not going to have a calculator on you at all times. And that's just straight up false nowadays. You got yeah, you got a calculator, <laughs> and uh, uh, more than a calculator, you've got all the information uh, you could ever want. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's definitely it's one of those things where it's it's hard to find the balance of like, okay, we should teach right. this fun, fundamental stuff, but at the same time, you're basically not gonna need it ever. Right. But you're gonna right. need that information that you get from doing it that fundamental way. Yeah. So I guess there's still yeah. that kind of juggling juggling act that we have to do. Getting people good at math, but still, yeah. you don't really need it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. The, the biggest problem that I have is a lot of times they get so wrapped up in pushing the buttons and stuff that they'll get an answer that's wildly off. And if you look at the answer, you're like, that doesn't make sense at all. Like, right. let's say I'm doing, I'm doing a difference right. in, in heights of studs on a rake wall. Well, if I go, you know, it goes up, this one's about a foot taller, this one's about a foot taller, this one's about 12 feet taller. You're like, well, did you forget to push foot or inches right, right. So added 12 feet instead of 12 inches to it so when you see that you know if you know what you're doing and and you 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 know what to to expect you're like that's not right but if all you're doing is just get wrapped up and pushing those buttons then you, yeah. you don't you don't even know you just write it down and keep going yeah um and you, you that's where problems happen yeah. um yeah but I can, I can tell you right now that like you said everybody has a google machine in their pocket just pull it out and ask it a question it'll give you the answer yeah, yeah. As long as you know how to ask it. <laughs> sure. right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's about it for my questions. Is there anything else you guys, uh, anything else like from your apprenticeship program that you wanted to say just really stuck with you through it? Uh, I could tell you that that the main focus had, was always and, and continues to this day, uh, the, the apprenticeship, and I, I think this is pretty much all apprenticeships everywhere, is that it's not so much about the materials of the projects and, and stuff. It's it's about your ability to look at a set of plans and, and employ critical thinking and, and work your way through it and come to that result at the end. Because uh, I know for a fact that, that the projects up there have changed you know, they, they've yeah. been modernized and, and stuff, but it, it's not about the materials. It's about yeah. here's a set of plans, use your critical thinking skills, get from point A to point B. And really, that's what it takes to be a good, successful carpenter because every job is different, although right. a lot of the basic concepts are there. But really, it's, it's how can you approach this, use your critical thinking skills and, and get that yeah. desired result. Yeah, I totally yeah. see that in, in what you're talking about um, with the eight weeks at a time and what Steve was talking about with two days at a time and then what we're doing right now a week at a time. Uh, you still, you're doing the same thing. You Here's your plans. Here's what you're building. Right. Figure it out and make it right. So yeah. that's pretty much yeah. the same thing even today. Yeah. How about you, Steve? You got anything, any, any last words yeah. about your uh, late 80s apprenticeship? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> it was a long time ago. I like how you keep bringing <laughs> that up. Remember. That's a long time ago, 80s. Trying to, trying to remember. <laughs> uh, no, but, but I'm all, uh, I agree completely with Aaron. I think that, uh, the the uh, most important aspect, or one of the most important aspects of, of the apprenticeship, is being able to, uh, you know, assimilate, be able to look at a project and and know, okay, uh, how do I break this down, and what is it that uh, you know, what are the major concerns with it, and how you know, how is this all going to work over this period of time that I have, you know, so you've got that that time 
element and you've got that, you know, uh, labor element, you've got that uh, budget element, essentially, you know, cost, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's those three things. And you have to kind of incorporate all three of those things into uh, your thinking prior to starting. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been good. Um, You know, I was really glad that I went through it. Um, you know, it, it, uh, I, I just learned a ton. I learned how to work, uh, in my apprenticeship and, um, I thought I knew some things when I got in and I was <laughs> woefully inaccurate yeah. and, uh, I had journeymen that were, uh, you know, pretty straightforward about making sure I understood I didn't know anything. Yeah. So, uh, it, well, it, it was good. It was good though. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm glad I did it. I, you know. I was able to have a career and raise family and and do all the things that uh, I wanted to do. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. From an outsider, someone who hasn't gone through an apprenticeship, it's pretty cool to see. We've got three different decades here. We've got 80s, 90s, and then uh, whatever, 20, 2010s, I guess we call it. Um, yeah. Pretty much vastly different projects, different formats, different technology that we're using, but same concept of here you're an apprentice, you don't know anything, come in, do these projects, learn how to, one, be a carpenter, and then two, uh, those other skills that are more than just building, as far as like, you need to show up, you need to have integrity and build something that's that's going to last and be worthwhile, and then uh, just have that attitude of a, a solid carpenter. That's really Okay, important. so I've, I've got one last thing that I wanted to say, and, and this is obviously for anybody that's listening to this, that even if you have the skills that you think you're a journeyman and you think you have this wide variety of skills, you'll always learn something from the apprenticeship. You know, uh, I would say join the apprenticeship. It gives you the opportunity to uh, develop a reputation out on the job site. And that's one of the things that, that I, I really encourage even people that came in. They're like, I've been framing for 10 years. I've got concrete experience for 10 years and stuff and and that it's a, it doesn't matter if you have that experience nobody out in the construction community knows who you are you start as a first year apprentice that gives you your foot in the door you go out there and you're going to make a lot of money for the contractor he's going to love you to death he's going to want to keep you there forever they're going to get to know that you're reliable that you have skills and that and that you're going to show up and work hard every day and really that's one of the, the the other benefits of the apprenticeship i don't think anybody talks about that like hey i've got all these skills i don't need to be an apprentice you don't need to yeah. But it's going to give you a better path, and it's going to give you a, a more well-rounded base and, right. and a better future. Right. For sure, future. That's just it. It's a long-term thing. Um, doing it that way, I've seen it both both ways. I've talked to guys that got in, um, you know, and didn't do the apprenticeship, just got in, went straight to journeyman. Real awkward for the first year or so. Run into a lot of situations that they just aren't familiar with. They don't know how to run a, a reach forklift, or they don't whatever. You know, there's just a, a thousand things that that you can run into, um, and but the I, I I like what you said about the future though. It's a long term thing because over the long term, you know, going through that apprenticeship, that's where it's going to pay off over the long term. Short term, yeah, you may get on a concrete job. You've done concrete for ten years. Maybe you're you're on a concrete job and everything's going okay. You know, you can get your way through it. But then that job ends. And all of a sudden, you know, you're you're supposed to go do doors and hardware. You get dispatched out or something, and you don't even have you don't even know what tools to start with. Yep. Um, that that can be a problem. I and I also have had apprentices in class that did exactly that. Um, you know, they could have gotten in as journeyman and just yep. decided, no, I just want to start back at uh, at the beginning. And and of course, my advice to them was, yeah, I mean, that's a really good decision to make um, because 
just for what we just explained. You know, yep. it, over the long term, it's definitely going to pay off for sure. Yep. Yeah, I think that's that's great. Thanks, guys. Yep. yep. Yeah. All right. So that's going to be it for this episode of the NWCI podcast. Uh, thanks, Aaron and Steve, for, for sure. sharing, talking about your apprenticeships. Sure. That, was, you that was pretty awesome. Log in at nwci.org to register for upcoming continuing education classes. Here's what we are offering for the weekend of October 12th and 13th. In Spokane, we are offering a Construction Calculator Master 1 and 2 class on Saturday the 12th and a First Aid CPR class on the 13th. In Renton, we are offering a First Aid CPR class on the 12th. In Kent, there's a Math for Lads class, a Spanish Language OSHA 10 class, and a Scaffold User class, all on Saturday the 12th. In Yakima, we are holding a First Aid CPR class on the 13th. In Kennewick, on Saturday the 12th, there's a Human Performance class. And in Mount Vernon, we are holding an Open Welding Lab on Saturday the 12th. Log in and sign up to continue your education and get those certifications. The opinions and information expressed in this podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of NWCI or its partners or affiliates.